Good morning, Hillside family. Welcome to worship online. Today, I just wanna let you know that it is really important that we check in online. Uh, if you can please open the Church Center app, check in, make sure we know who you are. And it just helps us to know how to pray for you, to make sure that you are uh, still watching online, you're still fellowshipping with us. And if you have any concerns, um, it helps the staff and council to know how to pray for you and how to reach out to you. So please feel free to do that. And if you're watching online for the first time and you're a visitor online, uh, you can download the Church Center app and go through the same process. Let us know who you are and we can get to meet you uh, virtually. So welcome to worship. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in Him and be glad. All right, we'll now turn it over so Daniel Cisse for worship time. Welcome.
folks. Uh, my name is Grant Roseboom and my family and I moved to the area a few months ago and so we just wanted to take a minute to introduce ourselves and explain why we've appreciated starting to get connected even though it's been remote. My name is Leah Roseboom and something that I've really appreciated is the group of women who have reached out to me via text message to introduce themselves and let me know how long they've been at Hillside and to tell me a little bit about their children. Anton, what would you like to say? Hi, my name is Anton. My age is six, and I like to play be playing soccer. Thank you. Eliana, can you introduce yourself? No. <laughs> this is Eliana, and she's three. And I've really appreciated, in a broad way, starting to see how Hillside pursues the gospel through thinking about how the kingdom of God can be realized through justice and outreach here in our community and abroad. I've also appreciated all the ways that folks of Hillside at Hillside have already reached out to us and started to invite us into small groups and also reached out to our kids and made us feel welcome and a part of the community again, even though it's been remote during this time. But we look forward to hopefully seeing many of you in person soon. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And everybody say, thanks be to God. We're just going to give thanks right now for our offerings. Please join me in prayer. Our Father and our God, you, and our God, your word says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. Lord, every blessing that we have, every cent that we have, every account, every accomplishment, it's because of you. It's because of your blessings in our lives. And we just take a moment and we say thank you. Lord, as we give back now, whether we're sending a check or going online, Lord, in whatever form, we give back just a portion of all the blessings that you have given to us. Help us to use it wisely for your glory and for your purpose here on earth. Oh God, thank you for your people. We pray for those who uh, are lacking today, those who need, God, that you be with them and that you meet their every need. And I pray that we'll always pause and, and give thanks. Thank you, Father. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say, Amen. We just listened to the reading of Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. In verse 4, Paul uses this word rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And this raises a question for me. How can someone with any ounce of integrity and authenticity say rejoice when they're facing incredible opposition. Is this what we're supposed to say as Jesus followers? Because when life isn't working the way we had hoped it would work, how do you then respond by saying rejoice? Now, I don't believe that Paul is simply just using positive imagery or positive speak I don't think Paul is denying the hard parts of life. There's no denial in Paul's writing. Rejoice. When we find ourselves in the midst of a pandemic, we're not able to gather. Lots of things that we are so accustomed to have been removed, that bring us joy, have been prevented, the sense of getting together and connection and community. However, in this moment, is this cause for rejoice? Can we really honestly say rejoice? Now, when we, when we begin to break it down, Paul is using the Greek word charis, or chairo, which is the Greek word root of charist. And charist means gift. Now, if you think about verse 4 as gift, how does this change and inform the way we hear this, read this, take this in? Can we learn something from this? And can we learn how to look at life, especially the hard parts of life, through this lens of a gift? Now, from Paul's vantage point, he's choosing to see his life through a particular lens, to see everything that is brought to him as a gift. He's in prison. And let's be careful not to downplay this or to soften this. He's in chains. 
He has no idea about the final outcome of his life. And in Paul's day, if you were in prison, that is generally a bad thing. But Paul seems to be rooted in a sense of something deeper going on here. There's, there's a deeper mission that Paul is choosing to attach his heart to. And instead of seeing what's happening to him as, now I don't get to do the very thing that I love to do, he's attaching his heart, his mind, his imagination to a bigger story. That even in the midst of depression and darkness, even when it seems like my freedoms and my privileges have been taken from me, I'm learning a secret. And this is a secret that many of the great ones who have gone before us have learned. Somehow they learned how to find joy in the sorrow, how to find joy and peace in the pain, in the sharing of the sufferings of Christ. And what I think is happening here is there's a kind of wisdom that is being formed in Paul. It's like the wisdom under the wisdom. And Paul is learning how to perceive things that run counter to the world's perceived idea of wisdom. Now, when I say world, what I mean is I'm referring to a particular mindset, mindsets or systems that we are a part of. And these systems seem to be heading downstream at full force. These are the kinds of mindsets and systems that influence and shape our way of thinking, acting, and feeling, sometimes at a subconscious level, without even realizing what's going on. The kinds of things that inform and shape our values. And unless we take the time to think hard about these things, we will simply continue to drift down the river because these things are working for us. However, according to Paul, the way of Jesus, the thinking, acting, feelings of Jesus, what we've been referring to as the Christ pattern, runs counter to the world's idea of wisdom. The way of Jesus seems to be heading upstream, moving against the current. It seems to be this counterintuitive move that go against that goes against the current stream of the world's idea of wisdom. Think about where Paul is at. Think about the reason why he's writing from prison. Well, the reason why he's in prison in the first place is because he's committed treason against Rome. It would appear that Paul seems to be trying to overthrow the Roman government. You can hear it, you can see it in his subversive language. He keeps insisting that Jesus is Lord, which means that Caesar is not. And like Christ, he keeps declaring that the kingdom of God is now here. You can not proclaim this kind of good news and expect things to go well for you in your life. Paul is moving against the flow of Rome. He's moving upstream and experiencing hostility. And what does Paul say to all of this? Gift. And again, I say gift. Paul is waking up to a deeper reality that Jesus is Lord, even in this. He refuses to bow down to the imperial propaganda that is swirling around him, demanding his allegiance. And he's calling all Jesus followers to refuse to take the easy path and just go with the flow. And this is cause for rejoicing for Paul. Even though you have taken my perceived freedom away from me, I am still going to declare that Jesus is Lord right here in this Roman prison among these Roman guards. Do you see what's happening here? 
there's some kind of formation going on in Paul. Paul is choosing to see this suffering as a cause for rejoicing. I get to suffer with Christ. And this is forming and shaping something deep inside of me. It's helping me to live deeper into the Christ pattern. I'm expanding. I'm evolving. I'm stretching. And I hope this is always happening for all of us. And notice that Paul is not asking Christ to remove this from him. He's not asking Christ to end this suffering. He's taking on the Christ pattern. He's choosing to put on the thinking, acting, feeling of Christ. And he says, gift, all of it, again, gift, rejoice, and again, rejoice. I'm waking up and I'm saying, I'm waking up. I'm continuing to see more and more of what's going on here. And he's not trying to make sense of it. He's not even asking the question, God, why are you allowing this? I think he's asking an even better question, a more forming question, a deeper question that leads us to deeper senses of wisdom is, God, what are you up to in this? And how is this suffering shaping and forming me into your likeness, which is the question of wisdom? You think about how Paul's words sync up with the words of Jesus here. When Jesus is preaching in his Sermon on the Mount, he begins to talk about those living in the kingdom of God as being blessed people. But his ideas of blessed start to take on a different twist. They seem to be flipped up in a different direction than the world's idea of what it means to be blessed or happy or content. Jesus says you are blessed when you are poor in spirit, which is when you're at the end of your rope. When it seems like there's nothing left to hold on to, you are blessed. When you are broken, full of disappointment, and you've grown tired of constantly moving up against the flow of culture, when you've lost control in just about every area of life, you are blessed? Really? Rejoice? Gift? Waking up? You are blessed when you are meek, when you, when you choose to be a peacemaker in the face of intensity and pressure, when people are demanding that you simply go the way of the world's idea of wisdom. Is this the pathway that leads to deeper joy? Is this how wisdom is formed in us? And is this really what we want? And remember, Joy is not everything is going according to my plan and going my way, and therefore I am full of rejoicing. I am at peace. I'm in control and have certainty and, and comfort. Joy is waking up in God's economy, moving deeper into God's economy of how things really are. Joy, wisdom, gift, rejoice, leans into the question, God, what are you up to? And how are you forming and shaping me? And is this an opportunity for me to move deeper into the Christ pattern? And can we say, gift, rejoice, because I am waking up to the rooting myself in the reality that God's economy works this way in a perceived upside downness of the kingdom of God. Now keep in mind, and it's important to keep this in mind, that Paul is writing to a group of people who are about to face great hostility the same kind of pressure and hostility that he is experiencing now. And all the things that Paul is writing against, that these are in opposition to the way of Rome. He's, he's asking people to go the way of Jesus. And he says in verse five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And in this context, there's a great deal of hostility and great pressure. And Paul is saying, when retaliation comes your way, and it will, 
your tendency will be to want to return that retaliation with more retaliation, and then it continues to escalate. But instead, choose gentleness. Now, gentleness is an interesting word because it's, it's linked to the idea of meekness. Gentleness and meekness are the same word. And meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. You think about the imagery of taking a bit and placing it in the mouth of a powerful animal, a horse, and that bit's purpose is to control and harness all of that strength. Without that bit, that great strength can create all sorts of chaos, but when it's harnessed and honed in, it can do incredibly gifted things. And Paul says, Jesus followers, retaliation is coming your way, expect it. However, let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, this is a subversive message. This is how we're going to transform our world. We're going to put gentleness on and not retaliation. Now, if you lived in a system that achieved peace through violence, how would that shape and inform your idea of meekness or gentleness? Rome, the Caesars believed that the way to achieve peace and prosperity was through military force, coercive force at that. The Roman pattern is this. If you go our way, all will go well for you and your family. If you do not go our way and you do not bow down, you will be crushed. If you go the way of Rome, you will have financial certainty and your family and future will be secure. Now, Paul says, when life pushes up against you, and it will push up against you, choose strength under control. When you think that your rights are being taken away from you, choose strength under control. Choose the Christ pattern, which is deeply rooted in humility. Now picture this with me. Philippi is a major military outpost. And Caesar established Philippi as a colony, which was set up for retired soldiers and military leaders. Philippi would have been heavily saturated in the Roman pattern of life. There would have been images of Rome's greatness, statues, constant reminders of how your freedom was achieved. Allegiance to Rome would have been huge. Allegiance would have been in the very air that you breathed. It would filter into every area of your life and inform you, informing your mind and your thinking, even at a subconscious level. Imagine all of that propaganda swirling around you, forming and shaping you. You might even hear language like God is on our side because look at all the peace we're experiencing. This is God's nation and it's because of our divine leaders. Paul is experiencing crushing pressure and his friends in Philippi are about to face the same kind of crushing pressure and this is normal for Jesus followers. And what does he say to prepare them for this? Gift. Rejoice. Wake up. You're about to face crushing pressure to conform to the way of Rome. Do not retaliate. Do not demand. Instead, put on meekness. Wake up to, to God's economy that something is being formed and shaped in us. Something deep and significant is going on. Choose to move upstream in the way of Jesus. And then Paul says in verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, this word anxious 
is actually in the air right now in the environment that we live in. It's, it's swirling all around us. And this word anxious comes from the Greek word maris, which means parts. And Paul is talking about the inner life. He's talking about the inner life of the mind. And what happens to all of us throughout the day as we're trying to drift off to sleep at night is we begin to calculate all of the various parts, all the bits and pieces of life that seem to be out of control. How am I going to respond to this illness? How are we going to pay for these bills? How am I going to handle this conflict? I'm losing control. And when Paul says, do not be anxious, he's talking about a state of being. Anxiety has to do with a disrupted mental state where the engine is revving up, but we're not going anywhere. We're just stuck in the driveway revving our engines. And Paul says, learn how to become aware of all the things that God is up to all around you. Put these things into practice. Choose to respond with gentleness and not retaliation. Lay down your rights and choose humility. Open yourself up to the reality that Christ is forming something inside of you. Wisdom is coming. And again, Paul says, look at the promise, the peace that transcends our own understanding, our own perceived ideas of wisdom will guard your heart and your mind. Living deeper into the reality that it actually is Christ who's holding all things together, even the bits and the pieces and the fragments. And please hear this, Hillside. Christ is the one who's actually holding Hillside together, not us. He always has, he always will, he will continue to hold it all together, forming and shaping deeper wisdom in all of us. And one of the things that continues to become crystal clear to many of us during this pandemic that we find ourselves in is that we cannot control it. I'm watching how I'm responding to the things swirling around me. I'm watching how others are responding right now. And here's the reality. We can't control this. However, we can control how we respond to it. And I wonder what it would look like for us to begin to say, gift, this is a gift. We are choosing to rejoice. We are waking up and moving deeper into God's economy, into how things really are. And when someone says something unkind, we are waking up to the reality that we are so deeply rooted in Christ that we will not retaliate. Instead, we are choosing to put on gentleness realizing that this says more about them than it does about us in the first place. And when we keep waking up and living into the Christ pattern, we are holding on to the promise that the peace of Christ will come and that peace will guard our hearts and our minds and all of the fragments and the pieces swirling around, the uncertainties, the unknown, the outcome. We surrender all of it. Now we are living in a time of great uncertainty. Our beloved community, this church, has not been able to physically meet since mid-March. That seems like a long time ago, roughly a, a 140 days that we've been in this. Now, here we are in August. This is typically a time for us to get ready to launch into fall, like all this anticipation, kicking off new programs, new initiatives, anticipating a, a new learning series. Small groups, Spice, The Well, men's Bible studies, youth gatherings. And you think about it, this is typically a time for our teens, our kids, to get ready to head back into school for another year and for our teachers to take that one last deep breath before they move into teaching a whole new group of students forming and shaping their minds. Instead, 
Here we are, everyone is shifting and adjusting. Our teachers are having to figure out how to teach online, how to do Zoom sessions, and yet engage students and keep their attention and their imaginations revived and staying in the system. Our students are dealing with deep disappointment at such a young age, taking away their, their social lives. That, that social life is being put on hold and they're having to shelter in place and learn online. I think of college students who may have been excited about moving away from home for the first time. Now that's being put on hold, living life on campus somewhere other than what they've experienced for the first 18 years of life. And the question keeps coming to my mind, what has God up to in all of this? What's being formed in us? When the shelter in place went into effect here in the Bay Area, back in March, our leadership at Hillside, uh, we were like, oh my gosh, how do we respond to this? How do we continue to be the church? How do we fully live into being light in the world during this time? So staff, council, leaders, we decided we, need to, we needed to form what is called a re-entry committee. And that re-entry committee is made up of people on staff here at Hillside, council members, key leaders, health professionals, all seeking wisdom, all trying to learn even from denominational leaders in the Evangelical Covenant Church. And we've been tracking daily changes in the virus's progress, meeting every week. We've been following the, the changes in county-imposed restrictions and guidelines we have listened to Hillsiders' reactions. We have prayed, discerned every week. We have planned and we have, we have had actual gatherings in our parking lot three times already. And we have felt like we are always at the starting line, ready to launch. And it's like, ready, set, and stop. Our staff has felt this tension of like, we wanna be together with everybody, but at the same time, we're doing everything we can for this deep concern for the health and well-being of our community. We, we live with this tension of staff always being ready to, ready to go and yet stop, ready to go and stop. And we're feeling like, oh, just this, this, this constant push and pull. And as I think about all this, I wonder what Christ would say to us. Would Christ utter these words? I'm up to something. I'm asking you to wake up to the gift that something is being formed and shaped in all of us. Now, I want to read something to you that has been given to us by our reentry committee and both approved by staff and council. And I want you to hear this through the lens of what we just read in Philippians 4. Staff and council, upon recommendation of the reentry committee, has prayerfully decided that we will continue to have virtual Sunday morning worship services in lieu of in-person worship until the beginning of next year. Our once a month outdoor communion service will happen as they have been, weather permitting. We will monitor the state and county guidelines closely, which will help us to determine when and how to make the facility available for smaller groups, as well as altering our plan to hold off in-person services until 2021, should the status of the pandemic significantly improve. I feel and share the words of Paul in this letter, how I long to be with all of you, how I experience the affections of Christ when I think of you, how I hope to see all of you soon, how I long for all of you to become more like Christ. You are my joy. You are cause for celebration. And all Paul can do is write a letter because he's under house arrest. 
And all he can do is kind of like a virtual sense is write a letter expressing himself. And yet Paul, Paul himself, who longs to be with people, is waking up to the reality that God is at work. Now, we as your staff, council, leaders, our plan going forward will mainly involve virtual services through the end of this year. And we are investing resources, time, energy, and improving our technology so that we can stay connected with all of you in some form. And the question is, like, have we given up? Absolutely not. Even Paul himself would say, oh, no, we have not given up. Our main pursuit is to know Christ, to know the power of resurrection, and to share in his sufferings because something is being formed and shaped in all of us. We are learning how to live deeper into the Christ pattern. And my friends, if something changes, if a cure comes or a vaccine gets put into place, you can count on us to seize that opportunity to shift as quickly as safely as possible because we share in the same yearning to be with all of you. Hear that. But Hillside, we are learning in this how to be light in the world. We can do this together because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so we hold on and realize that we are being held together by grace and peace. Thank you. You are loved. You are missed. You are delighted in God's presence. You are his absolute delight. Rest, rest in him today. Thank you. Grace and peace be with you. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling.
Cross as you wait for the crown.